Hey everybody, Mike here from the pod and the pendulum. Have a quick little bonus episode for you this week. Um, the Chattanooga Film Fest is, as of right now, live. You can go ahead and buy a passport and check out tons of great uh, genre films. And it is a virtual film fest this year because of the COVID-19 epidemic pandemic. Um, it's really not safe to go anywhere, especially a movie theater right now. So we were fortunate enough to sit down with Chris Dorch, who is the uh, program director as well as the lead programmer of the festival, and he gave us a quick rundown of everything that went into making this thing a reality and how quick it came about. Pretty cool to hear um, his thoughts on the future of film festivals and you know the movie going in general. After that, I have a very quick rundown of four or five titles I think you should definitely check out um, this weekend if you are going to take part in the CFF. So hope you guys like this. Go ahead and give us a listen. Welcome back to this very special bonus edition of the pod and the pendulum. We have some extra content for everyone this week. Um, this weekend kicks off the Chattanooga Film Fest, the first ever online virtual edition of the Chattanooga Film Festival, which we're going to be covering here. And I thought as part of that coverage, we could um, bring you the festival director and lead programmer, Chris Storch. Chris, how are we today? I'm doing shockingly well, despite the fact that I'm very terrified at how soon this weekend will be here. Yeah, what do you have left to plan for? Like, what goes into, because planning like an uh, in-person film fest is, is hellacious enough as it is, but what it's going to be so much more on the technical side that goes into making a virtual fest. So what goes into that? I really appreciate you asking that question, because I, I don't think a lot of folks realize how ambitious the timeline of all this has been. So for us, you know, we're, we were just supposed to happen in mid-April, and mm-hmm. we spent an entire year raising our budget and putting together our, our film lineup and our special guest lineup, and you know, we're a completely volunteer-run nonprofit, so we really need that year to make sure we're pulling the pennies together that, that we can and making it happen. And uh, from the point which Microsoft initially contacted us not long after uh, we had to postpone our event, uh, we had about six weeks to pull this together. And actually, uh, the lineup that you're seeing here, even though all the short films uh, from our, our physical version are joining us, the feature lineup looks very differently than it mm-hmm. would have if we were on the ground. And, you know, that's for a lot of different reasons. Uh, folks are still, you know, not quite sure what what it means to experience a virtual film festival and you know there are filmmakers that are still concerned about how this might affect their distribution possibilities and uh frankly i think if you're a distributor and you're looking down on films that have to screen virtually during a pandemic shame on you but uh uh, also, the, the people were afraid about the, the piracy possibilities. Right. And, you know, for us, that's something that we took very seriously and wouldn't have even moved ahead if we couldn't have taken it seriously. But we had to be respectful of the way that people want their films to be seen and, 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 uh, and experienced. And anybody that didn't want to make the leap with us, you know, we, we understand. And in at least a few cases, we found fun ways to involve the films and the filmmakers anyway. So, for example, on our, our physical edition, you were going to see a screening of 
Alex Winter's incredible documentary Zappa, which was due to premiere at South by Southwest. But, you know, that's not a film that they want to unleash on the world online first. So rather mm -hmm. than lose that film altogether and not, you know, continue to generate buzz for it and give it the love that I it so richly deserves, we now have an, a, a panel with Alex Winter happening where we kind of get to give folks a sneak peek at the movie. And mm -hmm. to me, that was better than having to just lose something altogether. But the other side of that is we were able to pick up a ton of incredible things that we didn't have in our, in our physical edition. And now what I think we're looking at stands honestly, you know, with, you know, understanding that I'm a very biased and proud parent here, I feel like this is actually one of our best lineups in our mm -hmm. seven years. And I don't know how the hell it got done in six weeks. I really don't. That sounds like a massive undertaking. It really was. We have an incredible, our team is small. And one of the th the benefits we have of the, the physical version is that we get to have a huge volunteer staff. But for this physical edition, other than our partners at Microsoft and MediaKind, uh, it's really just been, you know, a handful of us, about five or six of us on the CFF side, making every bit of it happen. And I think when people see the name Microsoft, they think, oh, billion dollar company, giant budget. Well, all right, I can tell you that our budget is is non-existent for this. And even though they're they're doing us a massive solid by giving us this technology that, you know, we're still the same duct tape and bubblegum event that we are on the ground. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's been, it's been a circus. It really has, but we're proud. One of the hardest parts of programming a film festival is putting that lineup together and deciding what you're going to keep and what is going to get fall by the wayside. And I know sometimes it's not necessarily what are the best movies, but what are the best movies for our particular crowd? Did you sure. find, did you find that, being able to move things to the online space gave you more flexibility for some like personal favorites that maybe wouldn't make it otherwise. And how did you, how did you determine like what the cutting point would be? So probably to my detriment as a film programmer for the festival is I've always approached CFF with, with the throwing in of personal favorites. It's like, mm -hmm. why I'll be like, Oh, Hey, there's a secret screening of night of the comet with Kelly Maroney about to have, you know, kind of a thing. But like, one one thing that it definitely did in translating into this space is all right you know we're a nonprofit we're lucky if we can raise maybe 5 to 10,000 dollars to bring guests out each year mm -hmm. and it made the world a lot smaller suddenly we were able to get you know Ice T and Ernest Dickerson having a conversation about surviving the game. Suddenly we were able to like bring in Guar and Joe Dante and all these things that maybe we'd be lucky to, to have one of in a year just due to budgetary concerns. Now I just feel like we have this embarrassment of riches for folks. And mm -hmm. not only that, we've been able to figure out a way uh, to, to share our profits directly with the filmmakers, which is a thing that I wish more festivals were doing that are, they're making this jump to virtual right now. The filmmakers need our help more than ever. So like creating a filmmaker stimulus package, but also making sure that it stayed as cheap as it could so that people could, you know, be a part of this thing. We didn't want to make country club prices happen right now. Mm -hmm. Now it's not the time for that. So that's very much why you're seeing that $30 full access badge price. It, we wanted it to only cost a few bucks more for this whole experience than it would if you rented a premium video on demand. You know, this mm -hmm. is only costing you 10 bucks more than Trolls World Tour would right now, you know? Right. For a lot more movies with a lot more trolls in them, probably when you yeah. look through the lineup, right? <laughs> you're you actually way more right trolls about that. for your buck. You're, you're right. Um, that's that's a serious ratio of trolls to cash. So yeah. Right. So what would you? What are the three pass levels right now? 
So right now we have single day access, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's mm -hmm. for anybody that, that, that can't even swing the 30 bucks. We don't want to turn anybody away or let them not feel like they can be a part of this. So that's only $10. Then there's all access at $30, which gets you pretty much everything. And then there's the VIP uh, level. But again, for that VIP level, that's more for folks that want to, you know, that understand we're a nonprofit and want to help us with our mission of even making a, re a CFF 2021 a reality. Mm -hmm. But for, for their trouble, they get a, a couple of incredible things. One is a uh, virtual chat with the, 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 the screenwriters of the Conjuring films, the Hayes brothers, who are absolutely incredible and mm -hmm. doing this incredible new haunted house project that I'm really excited. They get to start talking to folks about. And another thing is we've got uh, physical media for folks, which I think when people think about a festival going digital, they don't think about us still, you know, part of CFF's ethos is celebrating physical media and being mm -hmm. collectors of Blu-rays and films. And we've been able to involve our, our partners at Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow who are, you know, creating these special goodie bags for us to hand out to, to anybody that buys that VIP tier. And also a couple of uh, a special CFF uh, little keepsakes, like for example, you get your very own uh, a plague mask uh, with a with a delightful <laughs> CFF logo on mm -hmm. there. Uh, so just a, a few fun extras, but for for the most part, that tier is only there for the folks that that want to just help us out a little more if they can. And again, the middle tier is there because we didn't want to really deny anybody anything if they couldn't afford a hundred bucks right mm -hmm. now. I know that CFF made the decision relatively early to move the date of. The festival which was supposed to be about a month ago this time would just be wrapping yeah. up right about now and it seemed like originally the idea was to maybe postpone it until the summer or fall when it might be safer maybe safer to do so um when did the decision come and how hard was that decision to say you know what this is not a year that it's going to be safe or responsible to have like a physical festival even if theaters open back up Man, uh, it's it was honestly kind of a heartbreaking journey because mm -hmm. for for us, the day that that everything got declared a pandemic was the day we were about to put our first wave of film programming out. Mm -hmm. And so initially, we like a lot of festivals, we used the P word. We said postponed, but then we were looking at the calendar, trying to figure out when we could safely do this. And suddenly, we were seeing Tribeca start to uh, uh, postpone. Suddenly, mm -hmm. we were seeing Fantasia make the decision to go virtual and. It's, it was just like, oh my gosh, everyone around us is having to make this choice too. And so pretty early on, uh, uh, after having to make that initial postponement announcement, we got contacted by a gentleman named Marco from Microsoft, who's honestly become one of our saviors in this insane time. And Marco, at first, when he contacted me, to be very frank with you, I thought it was a scam. I thought there is no way in hell a company as big as Microsoft is aware of something as weird and as little as CFF, even though we're lucky to have the reputation we do. And magazines like Movie Maker have, have put us on their list of best genre festivals in the world. We're still a puppy. We're a young festival. And I am still not convinced that they didn't hit our name with a dart on a dartboard. That might've been the scenario, but uh, Marco contacted us and a few times and by the third email finally said, Hey, this is not a sales call. I want to try to help you out. And, when I got in touch with him and I realized that not only was his heart in the right place in terms of, of, you know, making this thing happen and translating it and making it feel like it feels on the ground to the, to the internet, but that he was also with me and keeping the price low and also with me and 
sharing all those profits with the filmmakers. And mm -hmm. uh, I think people might see Microsoft's involvement and think, oh, they're, they're taking money off of this or they're contributing money to it. They've given us the technology, but they're not taking a dime, uh, you know, uh, from this event or from a single ticket sale. And it's, I think it's just, it's incredible that they were willing to, to work with us and do this with mm -hmm. us. And it seems like almost a way to move forward to give folks entertainment, but also look at the future of what festivals might look like. Um, I know that there's no crystal ball here, but could you foresee a, a situation in the future when things get back to whatever the new normal is where, yes, there are physical festivals again, but there might be a digital component, whether that be just virtual panels for people that are there in the space that are shown in theaters or even some of the movies being able to go on an on-demand basis for viewers that can't make the trip out? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, had you asked me that question at the outset of this project, I would have told you I'm dying to get back on the ground. I can't wait for our next physical festival, which is true. I still feel that way. We're always going to have a physical festival, but in so many ways, approaching creating an event like this virtually has made the world so much smaller and has made it possible for us to bring in so many incredibly cool folks that might not have even had a window in their schedule to fly down to Chattanooga. It just feels foolish if we don't incorporate the digital side of things moving forward. It's been honestly kind of a blast to put this together for all the work. It's been a mass amount of joy. And, you know, we, we, uh, we have a gentleman named Josh Goldblum who comes to us. Uh, he's the, the former director of Cinepocalypse, which is mm -hmm. another festival that I'm, I just knew that that guy had the right sense of joy and anarchy to, to help us translate this to, to the virtual setting. And we've also brought in some alumni filmmakers who run a company called Media Team. And they brought in Shane Morton, the creator of Mandy's Cheddar Goblin uh, of Silver Scream Effects. And we're doing some interesting things with the live components that we wouldn't have even been able to do on the ground. And, you know, we wouldn't have been able to have the special effects and the magic that it's going to get to be part of this thing. So it's, it's honestly upped our game in a lot of ways. It's crazy how it has. I keep reading how movie theater chains in particular are going to be in a lot of trouble if things don't change soon. Like AMC is teetering AMC, on the yeah, gosh, yeah. brink of break and see who knows what's going on with Regal overall. Um, yeah. What do you see as a potential space for like independent theaters and programmers such as yourself going forward as a way to keep film alive and kind of offer more maybe niche content for people? Well, one thing I'll tell you that I want to see, and here's where I, I get a little political and I apologize, is that there are a lot of filmmakers that are terrified to screen their content online because they believe that it will just destroy their chances at distribution. Mm -hmm. And I think any distributor that's not considering films that have to screen virtually right now, shame on you. You know, like you need to change your tune because now is the time that we start adapting to what that future is going to look like. And, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting time. Like you're saying, these multiplexes, these giants, you know, I, I read the other day where Amazon is considering acquiring AMC. And if mm -hmm. that happens, who knows what that's going to look like. And, and to me, that makes the role of, of festivals and events that showcase the work of indie filmmakers a lot more important right now. Like we, this is a gospel that we need to all be actively spreading and we can't forget about the little guys while the trolls world tours are, you know, are, are, are suddenly changing the game. You know, we, we can't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's to me, like I look at, I would rather go and spend my money on a festival 
um, and travel a little bit and meet new people and experience something that I'm not going to get like at a typical Friday at the multiplex. And then, you know, like if the kids want to rent Scoob at home for 20 bucks, like, eh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. It's I'm, I was one of the first people to rent invisible man when I had a chance to see it again. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad, I'm glad that people are, are making the decision to, 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 you know, give us the choice now. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't view premium, you know, video on demand as being the death of the theatrical experience because I think like vinyl records, which are obviously in every Target and Best Buy in America, suddenly, uh, it's it's uh, you know sometimes when when a when something is right, it doesn't go away, and I don't believe that we're ever going to have to kiss off going to movie theaters. I mean, obviously, conditions are going to have to get a lot better before we even know what it's like when we get to gather again. But I don't ever want the theatrical experience to go away. But at the same time. I don't want to be afraid of the future and what that Mm -hmm. means and and what these new technologies offer me, you know? Mm -hmm. For people that buy passes right now, are they able to access any of the movies at any time during this festival or do certain movies have certain times that they'll go live and be available? I'm really glad you asked for some clarity here because one of the things we want, okay, so as, a, as an event that's only four days long, you know, we're a lot shorter than a lot of traditional festivals. You look at like Fantasia who are running, you know, a few weeks, like that's a lot more time to show a lot more movies. And unfortunately our four day format has meant that our guests, our attendees have to make a lot of hard choices. Sometimes they don't get to see everything they want. And furthermore, because we're sort of the keepers of the schedule, they don't get to watch it in the order they want. So we wanted to use the VOD aspects of this in a way that would, both allow people to kind of choose their own adventure throughout the mm-hmm. weekend, but also have that live stream component that sort of gave you a guided tour through the weekend if you wanted as well. And I think a great example uh, to kind of put it into context for folks is the way that Shutter do it. You could, you know, if you had a Shutter subscription right now, watch any film you wanted on the platform a la carte, or you could go on Shutter TV, which is where they do everything from their last drive-in broadcasts to, you know, curator chosen you know uh, film programming and so if for folks that want to choose their own adventure that element is there they can do that but for people that want to join us for the the live events and the panels and things like that we're publishing a schedule and they can tune in at certain times for that stuff so it's a little of column a a little of column b so if like media folks like myself wanted to do like a tweet along or you know or something like that during the fest or point out maybe things that we caught online like maybe have a little watch along later on there's a chance to do that it sounds like dude and i'm so glad you you brought that up that's that's exactly what i am hoping that people will do because that makes sure that these films and the conversations around them you know get to continue well past Mm -hmm. the confines of this you know you know event i i want people to be asking these filmmakers questions past the 15 minute Q and A's that we're able to do, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want, I, it, it's, and if people want to do a, a tweet along, I think that's the coolest thing in the world. And I don't think there's a single filmmaker on our roster that would be anything other than honored to take a part mm-hmm. of that. And I think that's another thing in which you're going to see this festival. Hopefully if, if this format works and it does what we hope that it will, it's going to make it feel small. The world feel a little smaller for our attendees too. They're going to get in the same way they would, if they were on the ground to mix it up with the Joe Dante's and, and all these people that are, you know, on social media and, and, and willing to engage, you know? It feels like this one is a little bit of a lab test subject too, because I know that Amazon did the thing with 
South by Southwest where there were some movies on demand for yeah. 10 days, but that was more like, this feels more like an actual festival with events, with a more set and stone schedule. And it has that real fest feel to it. And it's also kind of more like not every festival has the scope and the breadth of a South by Southwest where most of us are just kind of, we're in our own little regions and hope people come out. Like have any other festival directors maybe reached out for advice or said, Hey, we're kind of keeping an eye on things to see how you guys are doing it. We've, we've had conversations with a lot of festivals and again, you know, part of the, the world of, of genre festivals especially is that we all talk, we all help each other out. It's honestly a really amazing community. And we've had folks like our, our, our friends at Calgary Underground Festival reach out to us. We, we were actually doing an event with Fantastic Fest. They're presenting our screening of Climate of the Hunter. Mm -hmm. So it was a thing that even though we had this opportunity with Microsoft, we didn't want to leave our friends out of it. We wanted to bring them along for the ride if, if we could. And so we're hoping, uh, honestly, that after this is over, we can you know, help other festivals as a guinea pig, like, like you're saying, we, we very much, we hope that this isn't going to fall flat on its ass. You know, we've put in all the work and all the testing and we think it's going to go smooth and without a hitch. And if it does, I hope that I have a wealth of knowledge to give other festival directors. And honestly, I encourage folks to, I mean, I, my email is just chris at chatfilmfest.org. If there's mm -hmm. somebody out there, I don't care how big or small their festival is. If I can give someone advice or point them in the right direction right now, I want to do that. Because to me, it's not just about keeping this festival alive. It's about keeping festivals mm -hmm. alive. Absolutely. Like I have been super fortunate to like travel for festivals and for eight years served as a host uh, an assistant yeah. programmer for Telluride Horror Show. Yeah, um, so unbelievable programming. I am yeah. super nervous about what's going to happen this October um, because I need that trip every year, to be quite honest, to keep my sanity. I, I For me, that's Fantastic Fest every September. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, that's my, you know, I... I only get to see those people once a year. I love that place. I love, I love everything about it mm -hmm. and, and those, those programmers. So it's just, I don't want that to go away. And I want to make sure that that community stays alive. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask this knowing with the, with the disclaimer that we know that every movie that is selected for the festival is great and wonderful and worthy <laughs> of your time. But if you had a two or three movies where you're like, do not sleep on this one, what do you think, what would you recommend? I'll give you three off the top of my head, uh, which is shocking that I was able to come up with three this quickly. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm, I, I'll say the movie Jumbo, which just played at Sundance in January, is one of the crowd-pleasing, most wonderful things mm -hmm. that you'll see this year. Completely diametrically opposed to that is the world premiere of Skull, a Brazilian slasher movie that is going to seriously scratch Jason Voorhees' itch for a lot of people I know that are like myself. Uh, and then finally, The Wanting Mare, which is just this hauntingly beautiful, Shane Carruth uh, produced, gorgeous, like mind boggler of a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know when folks are going to get a chance to see these films again. And I, I hope that people will take a chance on all three of them. Yeah, and what you said there is so important. Like the movies that play festivals are not the movies that, you know, it's not like... Um, Comic-Con where you go and see a preview of a movie that's going to be in 4,000 theaters in two months, six months, or a year. It's these little movies that otherwise might fall by the wayside or never be heard of again get to build this 
build this groundswell of support and get on people's radar. So if you're someone like myself who just loves horror movies and loves genre film and cannot get enough of it, like the best way to find, it's almost like when you, God, it's almost like in the 1980s seeing REM play in front of 20 people in Athens, Georgia. It's the way I kind of feel about. Yeah, it's like you're you're in the you're in the 40 watt, and you're one of the first. It's like uh, it's like that what they say about the the first Velvet Underground record, which Mm -hmm. it sold like what like 600 copies, but everyone who bought one went and started a band, and those bands all changed the world. So it's like it's it's awesome to be able to to find something that's brand brand new and and help it along its path. And, and that to me is one of the great joys of even being a film programmer. And, mm-hmm. and that's also another area where Josh Goldblum, as my, my buddy, is, uh, has gone from a guy who I just called up and discussed horror movies and metal records uh, with, uh, to, to now being a guy that's, that's really helped us find some jewels for this, this thing. And I can't wait to share it. I can't wait either. So the festival is the May 22nd through May 25th, Friday through Monday, correct? You got it. So four days, 96 hours of content, you know, take your Red Bull, take a lot of (laughs) caffeine, you know, whatever you have to do to stay up for four days straight and get as much of this content in as possible, folks. So yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're right. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much for your time. We're so glad we got a chance to chat before the Chattanooga Film Fest kicks off. I know that I literally, the week that we were sent home from school for the year uh, back in March was the week that I had booked my hotel and my flight to go to the festival. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so cheap right now. I'm definitely booking. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, oh my so, gosh I, well i hope to i hope to have you with us on the ground next year oh 100 uh, let, plan on let, it. let's 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 have a cocktail and salute to you know actually getting to be on the ground again i hope Absolutely. so uh, we'll, we'll be celebrating the year of the anniversary of this conversation yep. uh, actually here but uh, uh yeah man I, I appreciate your support so much no problem great luck have the best of luck this weekend thanks so much man you take care All right. Thanks so much to Chris for coming on for that interview. So really quick, I'm just going to highlight five movies and a couple panels I think you should check out if you're on the fence about getting a pass or if you are planning on virtually attending the festival this weekend. Here's five movies and a couple panels that are at the top of my list. Number one, from director Chad Crawford Kinkle, director of Jughead, which is a really fun indie well, not really fun, but fucked up indie movie from a few years ago. He's back with The Demented. Uh, it's about a, a woman fleeing a backwoods cult. She turns her life around by taking a job working with developmentally disabled adults and finds she has to save one particular girl um, with Down syndrome. Super interested in this because I spent a couple years myself working with adults with intellectual disabilities and developmental delays, as well as another year working with adults with traumatic brain injury. So I'm very interested to see how this is handled. Um, I know with Kinkle's other work, I don't have any doubts it'll be done respectfully, but also deliver a killer movie. On the other end of the spectrum, we have uh, Rodman Flender, who is a director of cult classic Idle Hands. He's back with Eat Brains Love. This looks like a really fun, gory, sloppy, romantic, uh, zombie road trip movie overall. It just looks like taking a um, kitchen sink approach to the proceedings overall. It's going to be the first thing I actually check out as soon as this posts. Um, 
Zoe Wittick has a movie called Jumbo based on a true story. It is about a woman who falls in love with a tilt-a-whirl ride at a fun park, which I don't quite get the logistics of that. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't know how you could go about falling in love with a fun park ride, but hey, crazy kids out there, if you can make it work, go ahead. Um, lastly, there is a horror anthology where I've only been able to see one of the segments. We um, played it as a special sneak preek peek out at Telluride in 2018. It's called Scare Package. It's going to be debuting on Shutter in June, but I really want to catch this whole thing over the weekend. Um, the skit I've seen involves, like I believe, a werewolf penis. It's really bloody. It's really gory, and I know they all kind of follow suit there, so it's brought together by a bunch of really good people, too. Um, so that's going to be great. Finally, uh, from director Simone Scafidi, there is Falk G for Fake. It's a biopic about uh, legendary Italian horror filmmaker Lucio Fulci. Uh, this got never before footage, uh, interviews, photographs, and that should be like a re- for anyone that's a Italian horror aficionado, um, aficionado. You know what? Whoever likes Italian horror movies, it's late. I can barely talk. Um, I think you'll dig that. And I will admit, like Italian horror is definitely a huge gap. It's a huge blind spot in my horror knowledge, knowledge and appreciation. So I'm looking forward to checking it out uh, myself. A couple panels that are going to be going on this weekend, Friday at 1, 4 p.m. There's going to be a discussion called Keeping Set Safe, a frank discussion by women about preventing and addressing sexual harassment in film production. I think that's really timely and important, and I think that should definitely be checked out. Saturday at 7, CFF salutes Joe Dante. Uh, Monday at, I believe, either noon or 1, uh, Phil Nobile Jr. and uh, Meredith Borders from Fangoria are going to discuss the... Um, pitfalls, challenges, and rewards of publishing print in a digital age, especially during a pandemic. That's only a handful of the things that are going on. Like You really got to go to the site um, and see the whole lineup and all the panels overall because there is just a ridiculous amount of um, stuff for anybody to check out. So go to chatfilmfest.org, grab your pass, check out the lineup, Um, It is just insanely good. And that's going to do it for me. I am going to go watch a bunch of movies right now. We'll be back early next week with Jess from the Spencers of Horror as a special guest as we continue our coverage of the Alien franchise with James Cameron's Aliens. We're looking forward to bringing that to you all. Have a great night. Go watch movies. Wear a mask. Stay home. Wash your hands. Have a good week.